This is Joan Boney speaking. A girl that I went to high school with asked me to stop sending my writings to her. She's a Methodist, faithfully attends a Methodist church. So I stopped sending the writings to her without a word. God gave me a dream showing me that she was reading the Bible. So when I think of her, I think of her being saved because I focus on what God has shown me, not what she said, not what I've done, but what God has shown me. And what he has shown me about her is she's reading the Bible. So my hope has to be in the fact of her being saved. What has God shown you? For that is what will happen. God puts things into our heart and speaks to our minds. And we know things because God has shown us. We can be certain that God will arrange our lives for that to happen, that which he has shown us. We're going to look at the example of Moses today. It's really quite interesting. God put in Moses' heart that he would be used to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. We know this because Stephen, in Acts 7, spoke this concerning Moses just as they were getting ready to kill Stephen. Verse 21. And when he, Moses, was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. See, Pharaoh had commanded that all male babies be killed. The mother of Moses hid Moses for three months, but when she could no longer hide him, she made an ark of bulrush and daubed it and put it in the river. His sister went there and watched to see what would happen to Moses. At that same time, Pharaoh's daughter came along and said, Oh, that's one of the children of Israel. And she took Moses to be her own child. Now, the sister went up to Pharaoh's daughter and said, Would you like me to take the baby to one of the Israelite women, and have her nurse him until he gets weaned. And Pharaoh's daughter said, yes, go. Well, she took him, of course, to her own mother, who was the mother of Moses. And then when the baby was weaned, she brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter. He lived in the palace with the Egyptians, learned all their ways. Verse 22 And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Verse 23, And when he was full forty years old, 
it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. Verse 25, For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. It was in Moses' heart at that time that he would be used by God to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And yet he flees to the wilderness. The priest of Midian gives him a wife of one of his daughters. He has two children. He takes care of the sheep there for 40 years before God comes and makes himself known to Moses, and he sees the burning bush and has the call of God to go immediately back to Egypt where he will lead the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt and deal with Pharaoh through God. So it says in verse 25 of Acts 7, For he supposed that his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them. But they understood not. But Moses knew. And the next day he showed himself unto them as they strove, and would have set them at one again, saying, Sirs, ye are brethren. Why do ye wrong one to another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust Moses away, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Well, God did. Joseph's brothers said the same thing. When Joseph had the two dreams showing that his brothers and father and mother would make obeisance to him and bow down to him, they said, Well, will we bow down to you? Who made you in charge? Well, God did. If God makes you in charge, you're in charge, period. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. You know it in your heart that you are in charge. Whether they know it or not, you know it. And it's a type of covenant between you and God. And you simply go forth doing what God has shown you to do. God appointed Moses to lead his people out of the bondage, and he was the leader because God appointed him. If God has appointed you as a leader, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. You will do what God wants done because it's the will of God. He will fix the circumstances so that it will work according to his will. I always thought this was so interesting. Forty years after Moses slew the Egyptian, God appeared to him in the burning bush, and he told him he's heard the affliction of the children of Israel, and for him to go 
into Egypt, for he will be used to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And look what Moses said, Exodus 3:11. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? He already knew that 40 years before he said these words. And yet, when it really happens, he says, who am I to do this? In 1980, on January 10th, I was asleep in the night when I believe it was an angel of the Lord who spoke to me three words. It was so loud, trumpet-like, and that's why I think it was an angel of God. It was a trumpet-like voice. Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. I jumped out of bed and wrote KWJS on a notepad because it appeared to me that would be call letters to either radio or television. When I found it to be radio, I said to God, Are you telling me to go on radio? I wouldn't know how to do that. I'm a writer, not a speaker. Sort of like Moses And yet God does what he wants. And when I said to God, I'm a writer, not a speaker, God said to me, call the radio station manager. I thought about Moses when God said that to me because I thought, hey, you may as well just not argue with God about this. It's his appointment for you. Just accept it. Within five days, I was on radio KWJS exhorting the church from Mondays through Fridays for 30 minutes at the noontime hour on radio station KWJS. That's what God appointed for me to do. Now, at one point in the journey in the wilderness, Moses' own brother Aaron and his sister Miriam rose up against Moses. This you don't want to do. They said they too were people of God. If God would do this with Moses, God would do it with them. I had a woman say that to me once. She was the leader of the prayer group and we met at her house and We went out and helped individuals who were having trouble with depression and things like that. That was one of the things we did. And at one point, Carolyn said, in front of everybody, God is no respecter of persons. If he will show that to Joan Boney, he'll show it to me. No, the spiritual gifts are assigned to individuals in the church as God wills. And if you look at 1 Corinthians 12, you will see that. Verse 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one, to one person, is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. He shares that with the church. To another, the word of knowledge. He shares that with the church. These spiritual gifts are for the church. 
to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles. See, we're not all the same. God does with us as he wills. I see on the wall a vision which looks like someone took a black pencil, a black felt-tip pen, and drew an outline of this image that God is showing me when he gives me a vision, an open vision, a word of knowledge. The first time it ever happened to me was at the prayer group. I was a new Christian. We were all standing in a circle holding hands. I had our heads bowed, our eyes closed, as was their custom, and some woman was praying. When I heard, look up, look up, I opened my eyes, I looked up. On the wall, I saw an outline of a body part, and I just stood there looking at it. And I was talking to God. I said, I know that is a part of the body, but I don't know which one. And I heard the word stomach, and I said, oh, yeah, that's that old Pepto-Bismol commercial of a stomach. That's what it is. So when the women quit praying, I said, does anyone have a stomach problem? And one little woman was just jumping up and down saying, I do, I do. And I assumed she was healed. I was so interested in the method God was using that I didn't really pay much attention to her because this was the first experience I'd ever had with this open vision. After that, it happened all the time. I would go to the Bible class that I went to at the church I attended. I'd go on Sunday morning to the Bible class, and the man that was in charge of the Bible class always led us in singing. And as they were singing, I would be seeing these open visions. And after he finished singing, he'd say, does anyone have a word from the Lord? And I would present the vision I'd seen. This was a regular routine for years. Now, I didn't do it at the 11 o'clock service, and God didn't give me any open vision at 11 o'clock service. The pastor didn't make any place during the service for the Holy Spirit to present anything to the congregation. It was all kind of cut and dried and structured. But Don always made provisions. He always said, does anyone have a word from the Lord? It's so presented. You will probably find more opportunity in a Bible class or a prayer group than you will the 11 o'clock service for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But these gifts are given as God wills. says, verse 10, to another the working of miracles to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kind of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing 
to every man severally as God wills. So Carolyn, no, she was wrong. She misused scripture. She put that in God's no respecter of person in the wrong place because it's not that it's a respecter of persons. He just does what he wills with whom he wills. Just because he gives it to one person doesn't mean he's going to give it to you. Though we both are of God. Now back to the story of Moses. At one point in their journey through the wilderness, Miriam and Aaron rose up against Moses. Now Miriam was Moses' sister and Aaron was Moses' brother. Numbers chapter 12 verse 1. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. Now, he married her before he even saw the burning bush. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath not he spoken by us? Also, and the Lord heard it, and he was very displeased with them. I had a woman come to me once at Word of Faith, and she really surprised me. I had just gone on radio, and she says, I want to do what you're doing. She didn't know I'd had an angel of God speaking to me to give me the call letters of the radio station to go on radio and God working with me to show me how to do it, and the call of God that was on my life. You don't just decide, I want to do this. You do what God shows you to do. He's the one who shows you to do this, and you do it. And I was really surprised that anyone wanted to do what I was doing. These examples of the Old Testament warn us. This is a warning. They took it upon themselves to go against Moses. That was very foolish. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? We have God also. Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Verse 4, And the Lord spake suddenly to Moses, and to Aaron, and to Miriam, Come out, ye three, unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And God said, Now hear my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, and he was a great prophet. 
My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all my house. With him I will speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches, and the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was a leper. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, Lay not this sin upon us, wherewith we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed, when he cometh out of his mother's womb. Verse 13, And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days, and after that let her be received in again. And Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days, and the people journeyed not, till Miriam was brought in again. These are admonitions from the Lord for us today to learn how to act and to be afraid of to act the way our flesh would have us act. God said to Ezekiel the prophet, Ezekiel 3, 7, But the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me. They won't listen to me. They won't listen to you. For all the house of Israel, the church, prophets are sent to the church, are impudent and hard-hearted. Moreover, God said unto me, Son of man, all my words, that I shall speak unto thee, Receive in thine heart and hear with thine ears, and go and get thee to them of the captivity and of the children of thy people, and speak unto them, and tell them, Thus saith the Lord God, whether they will hear, or whether they will forbear. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, verse 13, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which goeth in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind 
to the Bible, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Thank you for allowing me to share with you today. We just couldn't resist this one. This music today is Sergei Prokofiev. Woody Allen used the fourth movement in his movie Love and Death, well-known, this uh, music. It's a symphonic suite having five movements, but it's not very long. It's only 17 minutes total for all five movements. Prokofiev was so exciting because he used a lot of piccolo throughout his music. It starts off with a wonderful solo trumpet. I really think you would enjoy it. I think they use sleigh bells in it because the Russian winners and the sleighs, and I think that there are sleigh bells in this, but it's very exciting music. Sergei Prokofiev, Lieutenant Kiji Symphonic Suite, Opus 60. Oh, and it's played by, we chose a recording by the USSR All Union Radio and Central Television Grand Symphony Orchestra. Nikolai Anasov, conductor. The five movements are Birth of Kiji, number two, Romance, number three, Wedding of Kiji, number four, very famous, Troika, number five, Funeral of Kiji. They're very short, 17 minutes long for the entire composition. Beautiful music, Sergei Prokofiev.